Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and oh, now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I know entirely too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, this is my season. The nominees are out and things are happening (laughs) with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that's exciting. We've had a long time without any Rock Hall news. Uh, With me, as always, someone who doesn't really care about the Rock Hall, but she's trapped here anyway with me in some sort of purgatory-like state. Hello, Kristen Stuttered. Hello, Joe. Wow. Truly trapped. Trapped in all the ways that one can be trapped. Trapped in this pandemic and trapped in this podcast. And yet, I remain. (laughs) And very excited to have our guest with us. Uh, She is the host of the Heat Rocks podcast with our old friend, Oliver Wong. Uh, It is Morgan Rhodes. Hi, Morgan. Hey, how are you? Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you. Now, first things first, you know, the the Rock Hall is a admittedly weird and often peripheral uh, institution for a lot of people. I might say bad. (laughs) Who knows? You could go go so far as to say it's bad. But I'm curious, you know, you are someone, you have a podcast about music, you are a music supervisor, you are talking and loving music. In terms of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, what is your reference level? Do you ever even think about it? Um, sometimes I do. Okay. Sometimes I do. I, I, I just peek in every now and again just to see, you know, if if, if it's going to represent my interests uh, and my music loves. And uh, this year I'm a little bit more excited uh, than I have been in previous years because of the number of black women uh, that are being considered last year as well. Because uh, I think Sister Rosetta Tharp was uh, on the ballot. Sister was, sister was a, year? a few years ago. A few years, a few years ago. ago. Yeah. No, so last year then. was a sad disappointment as well. Last year we was got pretty Whitney bad. in, but beyond that, last year was a pretty disappointing. This year, I would say, is one of the most exciting, like most exciting ballots uh, as far as just my personal interests as well. <laughs> sure, sure. So I'm, I'm excited about this year. So this year I paid a little bit more attention. Yeah, it was it really came as a, a shock, especially to us as people who uh, follow this thing. It, you know, we were not expecting this institution to really 
come through in the way that it did. And we're excited to, <laughs> to see what happens and to cover these artists in the next few weeks. Uh, and then we're going to, we're going to play, I guess, a little bit of a game. This is what we do when the ballot is out, but we don't have the inductees. Oh, yeah. I forgot because this is our first episode with a new guest since uh, the ballot has come out. Yeah. How yeah. So I, I should have, you should have in your email, Morgan, the, the full ballot. I sent you like a little, little picture. Sure. I'm curious sure. if so a voter for the Rock Hall gets to choose five artists to vote for. Let's say you had a ballot. I'm curious, who are the five that you would take off their box? Who are the five that I would say have to go? Yeah, you oh, ballot no, no, that you would put in. You get, if you, if you got to vote, yeah. Um, pick off their box was a um pretty racy way to say that, Joe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, who's oh, and when I said have to these days, yeah, like who would you choose? Who would you vote for? Who would? You yeah, when in? I said have to go, I meant I meant have to go forward. So if I was oh. voting, it would be for me, Mary J. Blige, uh, Shaka Khan. Uh, Fela Kuti, uh, Tina Turner, and Dionne Warwick. That's a good list. Um, that, that's a good list. That's. I'm struggling because I'd love to have Jay Z in as well, but if I can only have five, then those would be my five. Right. Yeah. We uh we we've been talking about who. I mean, we do not get to vote. Uh, have- so, <laughs> but we do our our kind of fantasy ballots, and that's that's not dissimilar to what we would choose. I've never had a harder time choosing in the past three years that we've been doing this podcast. There's never been more people that I've been like, yes, yes, yes. Also, yes, you, <laughs> yes, and you. Uh, it's very like heartening, I, I dare I say. Indeed, but- and this is this is hard. I mean, I wish I had six. Like, I love Jay-Z and I mean, uh, Reasonable Doubt, you know, I mean, there's just so many good, good, you know, hard knock life. Like I could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just a, just a big fan. The blueprint in my lifetime. So I've got albums that, you know, that I love of his. So this would be hard. But if I have to go to five, mm-hmm. those would be my five. Yeah. It, with Jay-Z, it's like, you know, this is his first year of eligibility. And so sure. it's there. there's two ways to think about it. I think of like, well, obviously he's one of the great artists of all time. He deserves to yes. have the distinction of being inducted the first time it's possible. But then you look at this ballot and you look at all the artists where if they hadn't happened, maybe Jay-Z couldn't have happened. Right. And oh, right. To, to look back and say, okay, but how do you acknowledge the new class before you truly get all the old school artists who really set the stage 100 percent uh and you know poor ll just out in the cold once again like he's yeah he's been on i know he's been on the ballot this is his sixth time on the ballot this is his sixth time really cannot catch a break it is it's really so it's heartbreaking to be honest i'm like just put him in but i mean that's hard for me too I love LL Cool J. Um, I grew up on his music. Mama said, "Knock you out." One of my favorite albums of all time, as is Mr. Smith. Um, so it's it's tough. But you only gave me five, so I had to <laughs> make know. some hard choices here. You know what I mean? If I had more than than hell, it would have included both him and and, and Jay Z. But yeah, that's it's if tough. you get the seven. You know, they've done classes of up to seven, but they do only allow people to vote for five. So cold blooded. I know. Well, who's here's hoping I'm like put 10 in this year. Like I, I really have never been more like 
like I do not want to see people cut from this ballot. And I'm right. mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah, it makes you think that maybe a better system of voting would be to rank them, mm-hmm. to get to put ah. them in an order so that you don't have to leave out someone who is just, you know, outside of your top five so that you can, you know. It's almost like ranked choice voting would be a better system in general for, I don't know. (laughs) For all voting? Government (laughs) as well. It seems like maybe. Maybe. You might have a point there. Morgan, I know we we jumped in pretty quickly with the ballot, but I do want to give you a chance to let people know about what you do on your podcast. And also you have a very cool job as a music supervisor and how kind of music and maybe even what we call the very general term of rock and roll, how that kind of is a part of your life. Uh, Yeah. uh, Heat Rocks is the podcast for Maximum Fun. We've been doing it for three years now, a little over three years uh, with my co-host Oliver Wong. Oliver Wong and I met on uh, KPCC. Actually, we both have backgrounds in radio. We met on KPCC on a segment called Tuesday Reviews Day, which is a part of KPCC's umbrella program, Take uh, take Two. And uh, we were paired together randomly for an episode, and we stayed friends. Uh, They're bringing the segment back um, this year, but they killed the segment for a while. And and during that time, he approached me and and asked me if I wanted to do a podcast. And I was like, man, I don't have time for like I don't even (laughs) listen to podcasts like that. You Uh know what I mean? That's that's not me. That's not my style. And uh, and I I ended up listening to I think Mogul was the first podcast I listened to, uh, and S. I think was the second and, mm-hmm. and I circled back with him and I was like hey man so podcasts are sort of cool so <laughs> uh, so let's do that um, and we tweaked it a little bit first it was just going to be us talking about I think about uh, music on some sort of Siskel and Ebert type vibe mm-hmm. you know and then uh, what we decided was we wanted to give artists a chance to be generous to each other and we wanted artists to be able to celebrate other artists and their favorite favorite albums and people that don't typically get asked about music so the long and short of it is we sit down with artists, writers, scholars, other music supervisors, DJs, and we talk to them about seminal albums or canonical albums. And we ask them 15 to 20 questions about the album, no matter what album uh, they pick. It's a deep dive with, you know, all types of music, music factoids, Jeopardy level type information. And... Uh, <laughs> And we enjoy, we've had some great, great guests on from Wendy and Lisa, Moby, Macy Gray, Raphael Sadiq, uh, music supervisors, other music supervisors, Kira Lehman, Thomas Golovich. So we've been doing, we've been doing that for a while. My job is a music supervisor. Um, as most people know, we pick movies, we pick music for films, television, um, ads and games and trailers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I work in the film and television space. I've been doing it for nine years nine years now. My first film was a short one called Middle of Nowhere, which was uh, Ava DuVernay's second film, uh, which which made a big splash at Sundance. Not and too since bad then, of doing... a credential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, very fortunate um, and blessed to have been able to work on, on that. And um, that was it. I just was a radio DJ minding my own business. And then the next thing I knew, it was Sundance. And then the next thing I do, knew, it was Selma. And so the thing has, the train has moved on from wow. from there. So yeah, yeah nine years. A good, a good train to be on. The Ava DuVernay one, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, and she's out here changing the industry in a myriad of ways, you know, 100%. behind the camera, in front of the camera, she's doing it all. And we, I'm a big fan. So very Indeed. cool. That's Maybe amazing. Too. So cool to be able to get on board 
like right at the beginning, get in there. That's so cool. Yes, thank you. And uh, I got to say, I'll cop to it sometimes, especially because you guys are LA based. I have sometimes looked at your guest list when I'm looking for interesting people to, to talk to, I've, I've found some, some fun people, you know, cause especially when we have a ballot like this and we want to make sure that we talk to the, you know, a, a good person for each artist, you know, that's when I'm doing my research. So I'll head on over to the heat rocks podcast and see, see if there's anybody who matches. We, we uh, ended up talking to Jametta Rose. Uh, oh yes. Because I, I discovered her on your podcast. So officially, yes. thank you for that. My pleasure. She she was a lot of fun. Uh, why don't we uh, Why don't we get into Mary J. Blige, the yes. artist in question? Uh, I I would love to know from kind of your personal perspective, like, what does Mary J. mean to you? And maybe even do you remember the first time you heard Mary J. Blige? I love this question, and I have talked about Mary J. Blige often. Uh, you know, we on Heat Rocks, one of the reasons that we have these conversations is we believe strongly that music is tied to emotions and memory mm -hmm. and that most people, when they sit down to talk to us, I mean, the first question we ask them is how they come to know this artist um, or this album. And we ask them what format they bought the album on, because depending on when it was released, it's either CDs, cassettes. Uh, we've even had some people say eight tracks, you know what I mean? And so my memories around Mary J. Blige are connected to something that I like to discuss often, which is the phenomenon that was the three CD changer. Mm -hmm. And in 1992, uh, when What's the 411 came out, it was released July 28th, 1992. But I was uh, a freshman in college and I had a three CD changer and um, hadn't really met a lot of people yet. I, I, you know, I was excited because I didn't have to live on, the, on campus. I had my own apartment and I had a three CD changer. And I only had three CDs at the time and a bunch of cassettes. And so the three, one of the three CDs was What's the 411? Mm -hmm. and, um, and a house record called uh, Journey to the Lonely, Journey with the Lonely with Little Lewis in the World. And I might've had Love Alive. And mother was like, you know, you gotta take some gospel out there. <laughs> so when I think of Mary J. Blige, before I even get into her as a musician and an artist, I always think about her as a friend because I hadn't really met that many people. And so that, that album was on constant rotation. And beyond that, and we can get into this a little bit later, I see her as an architect because there are two um, critical points in music history, and that's before Mary and after Mary. And before Mary, we didn't have, we didn't have hip hop soul. After Mary, we did. Mm -hmm. And, um, and also, there aren't many queens when it comes to black music, three that I know of. Mahalia Jackson is the queen of gospel. Aretha Franklin is the queen of soul. Mary J. Blige is the queen of hip-hop soul. So it's quite a distinction to be included in that category. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that she's iconic, but she's been iconic for me since 1992 with the, with the, the hip-hop, the swag, the knee pads, the X hat, you know, mm -hmm. the dancing and the videos. This was something that I didn't know. And so I feel like I've grown up with Mary J. Blige. And so uh, she's precious, precious to me uh, for that reason. Yeah. And I think you could say even, especially with an artist like Mary J., who has very kind of visibly and through her music matured through each album, you can follow her life through each album, through what she's going through, because she is a very personal artist and you can hear it 
in the music. Yes, yeah, she has. She's grown through her albums. And I mean, you've got, I mean, she had a great, we always talk about the starting five, but I think her starting four was great because you got 1992 was the 411, 1994 is My Life, 1997 is Share My World, 1999 is Mary. And over those, I mean, she's come from her early youth, you know, 21 years old and by 1999 she's you know she's a woman she's seen some things she's grown uh, she's she's endured some things as you might might imagine as, as as a woman in this in this industry and I think why she should be recognized as iconic is because the level of transparency that Mary J Blige always brings to an album lets you know here's what I'm going through um, here are the cautionary tales about what I'm going through and here's what I have to say about that and so we've have we have the benefit of watching this woman grow from album to album uh, almost 30 years later, which is incredible for any genre, any standard to still be relevant mm-hmm. and also to finesse this career into also being an actress, which she's mm-hmm. done successfully. I mean, no big deal. She was just nominated for an Oscar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No big it, deal. It's really it's <laughs> she is the third uh, Rock Hall nominated artist to have been nominated for an Academy Award after uh, Bobby Darren and Diana Ross. So yes. that, you know, that is hallowed ground for sure. And especially to do, to do it contemporary, she's, you know, in, in the contemporary world, in this climate of both the movies and music. Indeed. So, it's interesting yeah. too that you talk about like the format that you first kind of heard her on, you know, as a concept. We've talked about this on the show before when we were doing the Rufus episode, but like I had the single of uh, Real Love and the B-side was Sweet Thing. And it was like so formative for me because I started just listening to the B-side most of the time. There's like a the outro on that song is like so deep in my brain <laughs> that like I think of that as the original version of Sweet Thing because sure. that's how I learned that song that's like how I was introduced to it as the B-side on a single and that's just yeah that was like my little entryway into Mary J and her world if you will. I'm just excited that you had Kasingles and that you're shouting out Kasingles. <laughs> you know, justice for Kasingles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some When we mention that, sometimes we get these looks like, you know, and I'm like, come on, millennials, you know what this is. <laughs> don't don't yeah. act like your, 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 your auntie or, or, or whoever didn't introduce didn't introduce you to that. But what's key about that is uh, Sweet Thing is originally released in 1975, Rufus and Shaka Khan. Oh, oh. And so you come around to, you know, years later, 1992, and a lot of people at the time were such purists about um, this cover version. Should there be a cover? Should you cover someone as iconic as Shaka Khan? But you fast forward to years later, and the two of them get to perform it together. And what I like about about Shaka Khan was she was very open and gracious and being like, listen, it's fine to to sonically, you know, uh, pass the torch on. But what I like about what Mary did was she bought 
the the her generation of kids into this into this song. She she made it very hip hop soulish um, and cool uh, for this generation. And I think it's just to have them both be on the ballot is a very full circle moment considering. Oh yeah. Um, Mary covering her song. I mean, and not just any Shaka Khan song, one of the formative Shaka Khan songs. So I think it's just it's just poetry to have them both on the ballot at the same time. Yeah, it's the Whitney I'm Every Woman and and the Mary J yes. sweet thing. Like Shaka, it, I mean, we will do another episode about Shaka and I am very adamant that she should, must, and will be in. But yes. um, yeah, she is such a linchpin of of the people who are being nominated and are being inducted and pretty absurd that she's still, what's her number on the ballot? This is total Shaka Khan's seventh nomination, her third as a solo. And she had been previously with Rufus nominated four times and then consecutively, this is sixth. It had been Rufus three years before this. And then it was solo. They've been trying different iterations, I think, as a means of how do you, what's the easiest way to to get Shaka in? But, you know, something is broken within the system, I think, if you put Shaka on the ballot and she does not get in. That's it's, why they need us out there advocating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. mean. Well, I'm we like, give you can. both ballots. Let's freaking go. Yes. And I'm yeah, and I, it, you know, it would be happen. not only beautiful to have Shaka. I mean, it's it's beautiful to have Shaka and Mary J on the ballot the same year, uh, but to get them in the class the same year, then you would have a scenario where you would have them at the ceremony and most likely performing together, and it, you could really create something that I think the, you know, we can criticize the hall. Uh, and we do every single week. But <laughs> one of one of the I think points in the Rock Hall's favor is that it can create these moments where different generations of music can come together in ways that you don't really get to see too often. Sure. At, at award ceremonies, it's one of the it's one of the be- the merits of the hall. I would say. <laughs> that they are able to make these like iconic, interesting moments that couldn't have happened in any other regard, you know? Sure. Like, it gives an excuse to get the old and the new guard together and all of that as well. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Now, yeah. since, since our listeners admittedly are probably more of the kind of traditional rock set, I think maybe it would be wise for us to do a little bit of a bio Mary J background yeah a little bit of of Mary J's background to kind of ramp into into this thing her origin story I think is great and uh, even maybe a little bit adorable the legend has it that she had recorded a demo at the mall at like one of those kiosks where you can just like you can go in and lay down a track (laughs) for for fun and then she did that and it made its way to Andre Harrell of Uptown Records. And then she yes. got a record deal out of it. Indeed, indeed. And I, I just want them to bring what? back those type of recording situations to the mall. Yes, bring yes. back recording that setups. That save the mall. That's it. If you've been wondering why malls are dying, there's your answer. Because they don't have setups. Uh, Do we you know, know what song she recorded? Uh, yeah, she covered... Um, she covered Anita Baker. Was it caught up in the rapture? Yeah, it was caught up in the rapture. It was caught up in the rapture. 
she recorded Caught Up in the Rapture at 17 years old. One of her family members um, got the demo to to Andre Harrell. So the takeaway from that is look to your family members and if you don't have the type of family members that can get you to the next level of your career then what are you doing? What are you doing? What mm-hmm. are your cousins doing? So yeah, that's that's the start. That's what happened to her. And that's that's wow. uh, such a great uh, story. You almost can't believe it. When does that happen? But it's you know such a testament to the power of her voice that it can shine through and be so obvious even on a mall demo. You know, one of the top uh label heads can be like, I got to get this, this is person. great. Yeah. This has to happen. How old was she when this happened? 17. Oh my God. Wow. 17. And it's, it's real rags to riches too. Cause you know, she was in the, in a housing project in New York and then, sure. and a, a real, you know, opportunity. And that first, so that first album, what's the four one one, one thing I didn't, you know, I always think of Sean Combs. I intertwine his career, obviously, with Biggie, and I always think about them kind of coming up together. But the the thing I did not realize was how much of Sean Combs and Mary J. Blige that they really that was kind of the the start for for him. Was the start for him because he was an intern for Andre Harrell, and uh, you know they're the ones that really created this sound of hip hop soul, and they, they were the ones that that married these two genres together. And of course, um, you know Sean Combs' career. I mean, if I said it was prolific, that's the you know the most giant understatement of all times. But he started Uptown Records, went on to build Bad Boy, and they. Together, he, Andre Harrell, and some others are the real architects of the genre hip-hop soul. They're the architects of that term, ghetto fabulous, for for which Mary J. Blige was certainly um, the mm-hmm. face for. Clean as of the board of health, um, furs, and uh, all the trappings of, of success. She looked the part. Um, the role, the, the the types of production they crafted around her song, which is her sound, which was brilliant. Um, so you cannot mention Mary J. Blige and her career and the trajectory of it without first, of course, mentioning Andre Harrell, the late great Andre Harrell, but also um, Sean Puffy Combs, who was instrumental mm-hmm. in molding her and shaping her in, into this great 90s aesthetic for whom we now have this term, hip-hop soul. Yeah, and when we talk about hip-hop soul, you know, uh, if we kind of break it down... And, and maybe this is a little simple, but, you know, the idea of having soul and R&B vocals over hip hop production and hip hop tracks was not really something that had been done before her. Right. It had not. I mean, I think I think New Jack Swing sort of ushered or ushered us into this, mm-hmm. but it was the sort of samples the sort of soul production and beats that really became um, sort of synonymous with this sound. It was soul music meets samples. And that's mm-hmm. what happened. It was the type of samples that they were coming from. It was it was the fact that um, soul music became danceable because heretofore, our soul artists looked a certain way. They might have mm-hmm. been 25, but they sounded 45. Mm-hmm. And, and this they was are a, standing still. Standing you know, still. Delivering. Right. Well lit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really well lit in the background. Yes. So- soft lighting, mood lighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's the 411? That video. Um, I mean, all the videos from this album are grainy. They're gritty. And we, li- we, liked, we liked the grit. We liked the grit. 
I mean, it was a new, it was the evolution of the new Jack Swing sound into something that was a little bit smoother. But it gave you the hip hop edge, mm-hmm. but it didn't, it didn't, it didn't skip the soul part. And this was something that we hadn't seen before. Yeah, um, and Mary was the perfect person to deliver that, I think, because she had the soulful voice, but she was from the streets. Like that was authentic. They didn't have to uh, orchestrate or construct that persona. A hundred percent. And she was also fabulous. So if you add those really? all those things to the mix, um, this was sort of the style and the culture. So what hip hop soul, it wasn't just a genre, it was the culture. And Andre mm-hmm. Harrell, Diddy and others helped to redefine the culture of hip hop and the culture of soul and what the marriage between those two could look like. And they look and like Mary really, J. Blige. Exactly. And really break it through to like, you know, um, really take it to the to the mainstream, uh, if you will and show a new facet of of what music can be 100 percent, and to have wild success with it as well really wild success i mean my god i don't know if i could have seen where she was going but 30 years later she sold 80 million albums i mean like yeah, and the longevity. I mean, we will get to this later in the categories, but the longevity on Mary J. Blige as like a cultural figure is just astonishing. She's really managed to kind of maneuver the world of 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 her career yes. in a way that's like really authentic, and then also just has such staying power. It's really um, remarkable, indeed. Yeah, well, uh, Kristen referenced uh, categories, which uh, okay. <laughs> may- maybe it didn't make any sense to you, Morgan. But the uh, one of the things we do on this show is, you know, we're wrestling with the Rock Hall and the fact that they don't really ever publicly say why an artist gets in. There's no real how do you categorize it. Uh, so what we've done is we've or what I've done, really, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Kristen is, you know, a bystander a and sometimes critic of Joe this. Proprietary, proprietary envelope system. Uh, but uh, so that we can look at these artists somewhat objectively, because how, how do you even begin to do that with something like music that is so inherently subjective, uh, is I've come up with a list of categories that I think if you do well in these categories, you have a good shot at induction Uh, in the rock hall so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we are going to see how mary j blige does in the categories so we'll be right back hi everybody welcome back to the show we hope you had a nice break we hope over your break you kept things efficient in your life (laughs) Um, on rolling you kept on rolling baby so Mary J. Blige became eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018. So this is her fourth year of eligibility. It is her first appearance on the ballot. She has some connections to the Rock Hall. She inducted legend Solomon Burke in 2001. And then she also inducted Nina Simone much more recently in 2018. So she's, you could say she's playing the game a little bit. Like At the very least, she is playing nice she's showing up she's around with a rock call yeah she's showing up <laughs> which is something you know we have said and we have seen is part of the process often you know if, if you if you play ball and and you take part in these induction ceremonies they they tend to like you a little bit more so we're already starting off with with uh, some points in and mary jay's uh, favor the first category 
And maybe like the first thing that people think about when they think about an artist is, do they have uh, iconic or recognizable songs? Now with Mary and I, and I, first we start from like the broad perspective of anyone who maybe isn't a fan or just listens to music casually. What are, do they know songs that Mary J. Blige has done? And I would say that there's probably at least three big ones that I think anyone has heard, even if they have just, if it's from walking around in Target <laughs> or it's watching TV or whatever. And I think it starts with a track from her first album, which is Real Love. And I, the single that started it all. The, the single that me. started it for Kristen. Shout out to the singles. And I think, I mean, I, I know I mentioned Target. I don't know if you guys knew this or happened to catch this this year, but their Black Friday deals commercials use the track for real love. At Target, order today and get it today. Just use Target's same day delivery. Or drive. Like her music has gone so far that it's just like, yeah, you, you can use it in a, in a Target commercial. Like right. it, it's, were they searching for a real deal or something? I really did, hate this. I'm so sorry. You did, <laughs> like, you, I wish that was, I wish I didn't know that. Could you remove that information from my brain, please? They, uh, they did not uh, use any lyrics. So then it was, it was oh, just kind of like the piano, the, the uh, piano beat. But I think that's a song that uh, anyone who, who listens to music has heard. And then I think, then we, I think we go even, even bigger. Family Affair is a song that just, was everywhere and kind of still is everywhere. It's still everywhere. And also, you know, responsible for, for one of the great uh, lingering rhetorical questions in music, which is what does dancery mean? Um, <laughs> there'll be no really? hateration, holleration in this dancery. And still today, we love the song. Where we're like, what is the dancer? Where is the dancery? Is it a, is it a thing? Is it a place? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, is it a, she is knows an and I don't. That's it. She's, she's trying to take me there and I'm, I'm just happy to be along for the ride i'm like thank you for letting me know about the dancery mary (laughs) that's a that's a very good question i think in my head i had always thought it was like spanish and it was like danceria like the place where you go to dance like yeah i know that's spanglish but also there's no reason why why mary j (laughs) would new york city English <laughs> kind of thing happening. So wherever it is, it's a place of peace because there's neither hateration nor holleration mm-hmm. there. That's, so yeah. wherever this place, that. it could be mythical. Is it Atlantis? Is it sort of some sort of hip hop soul Atlantis? We don't know. I will also say Family Affair is like such a hard name for that, not hard name for that song, but it's like, I know that song. I hear that song. But when you say Family Affair, I'm like, what? Do I know that song? Of course yeah. I know that song. Yeah. And it's it's even it's even further complicated because I think in the song she says no more drama, but that it, that is a separate song. You know, so you're like, right. is that no more? No, that's not no more drama. No more drama that's is not a, no more drama. A completely separate song. Yes. Uh, and that song, I wouldn't say necessarily is one of those ones that has the kind of ubiquity of Family Affair, but I do think that song is obviously an mm-hmm. anthem. For people, especially given given the message of the song. No more drama, no more drama, 
I think that that is definitely one that people cling to. Sure. And then the the third one that I would say everyone has heard, and in fact, it is the also so far a lot of piano just riffs in there too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, continue. Indeed. Uh, the the song that, uh, from what I understand, is the number one R and B single of all time uh, is "Be Without You." That is one of those, it feels like you could hear it on so many different types of radio formats. Uh, Gosh, and that comes later. That's that's from 2005 and, and The Breakthrough. Yeah. Um, good so, album. Yeah, and she has, it's it's interesting that like she has had some major songs sprinkled throughout a very long career too. So there's kind of like these tent poles throughout this career that is, you know, she has a ton of great singles, but... I think some could argue that Mary is also an albums artist. She's an albums artist, but she's also a soundtrack artist. Because mm-hmm. 10 years before this song that you're mentioning, she had Not Gonna Cry from that gigantic soundtrack, which is Waiting to Exhale. Waiting to Exhale. Right. Yeah. And so she stays either on her own oh, singles and albums. So good. So good. So good. So that's that's ten years before we even get to be without you. Yeah. Mary so she J she has, stays relevant throughout the decades. You mm-hmm. know. Mary J has the scorned woman on lock. She really has just really can dig deep into the soul and and get you right there. Indeed. I was, I was thinking about the video for I'm going down today, which is to me one of the most iconic videos where she's slow walking down the white down the steps, stairs, dressed all in black that is such a a moment for me in history and i'm like where is i'm going down on her singles like is that oh i know that's not in her top 10 i'm going That's also a cover because that's that's Rose that's Rose Royce in, in 1970 or in the so 70s. So many of her songs uh, that she is like in her top ten on Spotify are covers as well. Her cover of "As" is in the top five. Oh yeah, with um, George Michael. I guess she covered one by U2. Yep. Yeah, she she has uh, proven herself to be a world class interpreter, in addition to being, you know, obviously a, a singer songwriter. For sure. Now, uh, I'm curious, Morgan, what I, what other songs would you throw in there as ones that you think are pivotal to kind of understanding Mary as an artist? I think Share My World would be one of them. The title track to the to the album from 1999. 
Uh, I think we, from What's the 411, there's so many. Real love, What's the 411? What's the 411, honey? What's the 411, honey? I got it going on. Hey, yo, 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 I got it going on. It's a, it's such an anthem, mm-hmm. um, and I've talked about this before. I had the opportunity to do a, a Mary J. Blige presentation on PopCon last year, and it was called "Growing Up Hip Hop: uh, Mary J. Blige, The Making of a Queen." And it was there were a few of us, and we all took different albums. And I talked about what a mantra that is, uh, you know, the whole the whole of uh, "Not Gonna Cry," and uh, and when it gets to that point of eleven years, I sacrificed. Everybody sings that, including me, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know anything about eleven year relationships, but you can't tell that from the way <laughs> that I sing that. It's as if I'm the expert, okay, a keynote speaker on you know what I mean, eleven year relationships. But I think I, I think some of those are some of the iconic ones and it depends on when you come you know into into Mary J Blush has a song called PMS which is you know may not be a, a a gigantic hit but it's it's one that we you know remember a lot So there's so there's so mm-hmm. many but certainly the things that thrust her into the stratosphere and real love is one of them because it's always tied to the video and what's the 411 and i think general generationally you know there's a certain generation gen x will remember those and you come in later and millennials will remember you know no more drama or family affair mm-hmm. so i think she's got enough songs on each album yeah that are Certified hits, no well, question. Well, why don't we transition into the next category, which is? Can I just really quickly give a shout out to Just Fine as like a more recent era hit? I just would be remiss if I let this episode go on and I did not mention it. Okay, let's move to album. <laughs> yes, fair so, point. Uh, yeah, let's yeah transition into the next category, which is classic albums. Like, does Mary J have albums that are widely considered to be classic? Um, oh, I, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's definitely. And then we can kind of go through uh, her discography. Like, obviously, what's the 411 was the introduction to the world who Mary J is. And that alone comes with it like a certain classic nature, because like you said, before there was Mary J and then after there's Mary J. And that's it. And that's, you know, what's a 411 is where it begins. Uh, but then, you know, she grows as an artist and, you know, she starts to write songs and her work becomes more personal when you get to my life, which is for a lot of people, that's like where it really started to happen. And then what we get to share my world as, as the next one, Mary is then the next one after that. And these are, I mean, all of these are multi-platinum you know, many like once the first one is three times platinum, my life is then three times platinum. And then Mary is two times platinum, but then you're back with no more drama, three times platinum. I mean, it's just she's hitting home runs again and again. One of the ways that we try to think of on a more general 
perspective, like does the critical community at large think that Mary J has classic albums? We go to the Rolling Stone 500 list. Now I will ask you both. Do you think Mary J Blige has any albums on either iteration of the Rolling Stone 500 list? Cause there's one from 2003 and then there's one from 2020. I think yeah, he has I thought- one on at least one on the current. They did a real retooling in 2020 to it, it's a much more diverse list and it includes a lot more hip hop and soul music on it and so that's why I think that she got one on in 2020. I don't know if there was one on before. I I wonder how she's critically received. Like do we know anything? I I feel like she was a really big commercial success and I think she probably was liked by critics as well because she's phenomenal. So well, I know that what's the 411 was included in the list last year. And it, it may not have been in the top 100, but it at least had to be in the 200s and and it deserves. Mm-hmm. And also too the aforementioned queen there are only three art, three artists, black female artists that get that distinction, and she's one of them. No small feat. Kamala Harris walks out to uh, work that at the Democratic National Convention. I mean, that's iconic. And she's also the only artist to have won Grammys in, I think, R&B, hip-hop, pop, and gospel. So all of that stuff, all those trinkets help. Absolutely. But I think that everyone regards her as an, as an iconic artist and what's the 411 as one of the greatest albums of all time, not just because it's a great album but it is the album that introduced us to hip hop soul. It's mm-hmm. the, it's, it's that thing. And so, so she deserves, I'd say. Right. So yeah. yeah. What's the four one one was on the list for the first time in 2020 and it came in at two seventy one. Okay. Now, do you guys think she has anything else on the list? Ooh, like could no more drama or my life be on there. I think if it's, if it's going to be, my life should album, be on there. It would be one of those two. Yeah. My life Maybe should be my on life there is in the four hundreds. So my life has been on every iteration of the list. So it was on in 03, it was at 279. And then in 2020, it went up to 126. I mean, All right then. Mary J. Blige has a hot starting five. If you consider that it's what's the 411, my life, uh, share my world, uh, Mary and no more drama. That's a hot starting five. Yeah. Period. Both, both so- from an, like... Uh, you know, evaluating it artistically. And then yeah, if you want to go so far as to look at it from a commercial perspective too, like these are albums that clearly connected with people uh, to a extreme degree because it's, they it, nuts numbers that were crazy. All platinum. Mm-hmm. Multi, multi-platinum. Yeah. Yep. Really, really excellent. So yeah, I think the, this transitions into kind of critical acclaim. She, I think it was always, well regarded by the critics and even if there were critics early on who maybe didn't know how to categorize her or what to do with her initially they eventually had to come around because she's a she's a force for sure and as i you know we can drive this point home but these early albums are statement pieces for what the 90s sound of hip hop and soul would be. Mm-hmm. And so by themselves, they're great albums, but, but how they help to define, define a decade, I think push, you know, those help push her to iconic status because it's just, those aren't just albums that happen to come out in the 90s. They define the sound of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why she's gotten some of the critical acclaim that she's gotten from gatekeepers like the Rolling Stone because that they, that that point can't be lost. Yeah. That Mary J. Blige, although she's been relevant throughout the decades, all the decades, 
her sound as she started is the sound of the 90s, how it changed the 90s, how it shaped the 90s culturally and sonically. So, I mean, I'm obviously biased. I spend a lot of time thinking about Mary J. Blige and talking about Mary J. Blige. She's my homegirl in my head. <laughs> and so um, so obviously, you know. Yeah, I heard y'all were friends after you played her album a bunch in uh, college. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So, man, if they come to me and ask me about why I think she should be in, they're going to have to be on the phone with me for a while. So, yeah. so no yeah. doubt. Yeah, like you said, the, it's what she was doing was so crucial to the 90s and to what music would become the introduction of hip hop production and hip hop as a thing to not just R&B and pop. Like, as we know, that's what the future of popular music was. And you can really you can really pinpoint Mary J as one of the first artists to define that. Indeed. I was thinking about how when we talked on the Mariah episode about how featuring rappers on on her tracks, it was a breakthrough in a way. And this, I think, is a different break. It's like a breakthrough in, in from another direction. Mm -hmm. It's like taking this soul music and then marrying it with a hip hop beat, marrying it with the samples, marrying all of that together, and then also bringing that kind of like New Jack Swing kind of like groove into it. It was transformative. It changed. It's like that kind of like, you know, the Sean Combs kind of ditty sound sure. from the 90s. like damn indeed and those are two good artists to mention because not just because of the longevity but i do think the responsibility that that women artists have in the business is they're not they're not just tasked with being great they also have to survive the industry mm -hmm. women artists have to survive mary j blige has been relevant this long because she continued to be herself mm -hmm. she's she in, in her song she says i'm just on her album she says i'm just mary uh, I wish that they could see that I'm just I'm just plain old Mary, right? Nothing plain about 80 million albums sold, nothing plain about being an icon, but she has made it by consistently being herself. Mm -hmm. Mariah had to reinvent herself. And I think that has been sort of the key to her longevity, that she mm -hmm. she came out of pop princess land and the cutoff jean shorts and the two ponytails and was mm -hmm. like, nope, I'm about to dive in this pool with these Christian Dior's on. I'm about to release yep. Butterfly. I'm about to align myself with these rappers. And I'm about to show you that my pen game, how strong my pen game is and how well really, I write really. and how she was able to finesse that and be like, OK, I get it, Tommy Mottola. But this is what I'm about to do. I'm about to work with Diddy and Jermaine Dupree and Missy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key to surviving in this industry as a woman, is you don't have to just be great. You also have to be and continue to be and continue to survive. And so it's a testament to both of those women that they've been able to do this in an industry that's really hard uh, on women. And I think, artists. too, with the concept of being like Mary J, I think provides a lot of comfort and visibility as a survivor of you know, sexual violence, yes. of trauma, and she's been open and honest about it and has written through it and has given us access to parts of herself that we don't necessarily have a right to. And she shared with us all. And I think that that's like so um, impactful. And part of the reason that she is so beloved and legendary is because of that, uh, that she shared her pain with us, that Indeed. you can feel it, you can see it. And it's worth noting that she's never had, she's never allowed her scar to be airbrushed. And if you look at the cover art, 
you she's either facing it or she's to the side but she's never allowed that thing to be airbrushed and i think that's that packs a powerful statement that that our beauty is as strong as our scars are mm-hmm. and to your point she's been very visible about that pain and very transparent about that pain even aesthetically letting us know like i've been through some things mm-hmm. you know i got this fendi on i got all this fur on but th- mm-hmm. but here's the scar too exactly. and i think that's that's made it made her very relatable uh, to us yeah well said yeah. so the next category we don't have to spend too much time on commercial success 80 million records like what else do you have to say like one of the highest selling artists of all time not just within the genre but just overall that's it sold a lot and sold it consistently too which ties into the next category which is longevity you know her her debut was 92 was selling a bunch of records, was a part of the zeitgeist immediately, and then continued to be, you know, the the last album to be platinum was 2007. And so that's a that's a stretch. Of, and that's not to say the albums afterwards didn't go gold because they did go gold. You know, she, she was having gold records up until 2013. So her stretch of longevity is, it, you can't not respect it. And also, she she was like, oh, I'll just take a pause and go get nominated for an Oscar. No <laughs> right. problem. Like, I'll be right what? back. Right. Um, it's not like she just like faded into obscurity. She is, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, because it is, it is pretty consistently an album every two, sometimes three years in that stretch too. Like there was no time taken off to pursue and dominate those other pursuits. And and also too, that's a for for a fifteen year stretch of platinum albums. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's nothing mm-hmm. to sneeze at. Numbers wise, she's up there shadowing Mariah, and she's up in in Janet Jackson numbers, and yeah. she's been able to do that. And also too, we've all talked about her, her ability to to shine on on covers, and she's she's been as successful with covers as she's been with her own material. Mm-hmm. That's major. Mm-hmm. I mean, she redid "You Made Me Feel Like a Natural Woman" for the New York Undercover soundtrack. <laughs> She's just had hits, you know, in, in various various areas that that have, you know, pushed those numbers up. Mm-hmm. So that, that 80 million, on the way that 80 million has been some features. We got to give her some credit for that. Yeah. Really. And it, it, it makes her, you know, both relevant to the new audience, but then legible to the audience that came, you know, before her that liked the artists that were before her. And it's uh, it, it makes her appeal so, so wide. The next category is... Influence. We've already kind of touched on this, like a whole genre, and and what uh, what a genre would become, you know, hip hop soul. That's that kind of that says it all. That's it. Period. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Truly, I mean, she. You know, you bring up that fact that, like, you know, the trifecta of the queendoms. You know, it's really wild because I know I mean I've heard her say that like and I've heard her introduced as and now the queen of hip-hop soul it's Mary J Blige like they that's how she's introduced that's you know Aretha was introduced as and now the queen of soul Aretha Franklin like imagine the life like that's so cool yeah I mean yeah and And you know risky because that was the queen of hip-hop soul was that you know phrasing was 
Uptown Records. That was how they were packaging her. Oh, sure. To, you know, when she was introduced. And, you know, obviously it paid off because she is the queen of hip hop soul. Because she grew right into that crown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she, she's the queen. And that's like, a, that is a risky thing to do to to have that moniker that early because it's a lot to live up to. But she she certainly did. 100%. And think about that. I mean, you know, she didn't even have to bypass like being princess of hip hop soul, you know what I'm saying? Straight she to the went throne. Straight to the throne. Watch the throne, and I mean to get to the album. I think I think it's Mary where where she has a duet with Aretha Franklin. So it's the meeting of two queens, and what gets better? And that was a big song too. So. She's in there. No question. She's so and good. Then, I'm so happy to be talking about her. <laughs> the next category is artistry slash skill. You know, it's funny. Sometimes this category is so we can give like extra points to an artist who hasn't done so hot in the categories coming up here. We're going to be like, oh, but, you know, maybe they didn't sell a lot of records, but, you know, they're a great singer or but, you know, they were important in this other way. Mary J's artistry is in in every facet, whether it's her, you know, she has a, a rich and beautiful voice. She, you know, from the pen, like she's a she's a songwriter uh, from, you know, even I mean, what she does with her albums as concepts, you know, are works of art. A hundred percent. And and I think that it's it's very difficult to be in any in in any area it, it's it's difficult sometimes to be inimitable but nobody sounds like mary like mary's voice is distinct you know when you hear it there were always debates around and we tend to group women into a certain category women artists and and black women artists and you know we do that with them and so there were always comparisons but what i think what what i think mary j blige brought was grit she brought mm-hmm. grit to that we needed. It made her relatable. It made her even as a young woman sound world weary. And mm-hmm. and most of us are world weary. And so I think, you know, the purists will be like, well, did she sound like this? Did she do all the runs? Uh, for me and for people that love Mary J. Blige, she didn't need to. She did just enough of what we needed. She was able to body classics like, I mean, if you're going to take on Sweet Thing, you got to make it your own. And she did. And she did it with not you know, with not all the technical nuances that Shaka Khan did, but she did it well enough for us to know that there are two versions of Sweet Thing. Mm-hmm. Shaka Khan's and Mary J. Blige's. And, and, and One is a B-side of a Pissing. That's A. Hey, <laughs> hey, indeed. So, and I think so it, yeah, I love, I love her voice. I love the texture. I love the rasp. I love the grit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the... Well, and that, that is also part of the authenticity that we talk about, too. You know, Joe was talking about her being... Like, they didn't have to manufacture her image. She was truly, you know, That's embodying it. herself and giving us pieces. She gives us herself in her voice. And it is... You can hear the pain. You can hear the... You can hear the joy. It's... Uh, she has a, an incredible talent and gift indeed absolutely uh we're, we're ready for the final category maybe the most important category speaks to cultural ubiquity in a very specific way does my mom know who they are and my mom absolutely does when i asked her she was like oh yeah of course yeah and then she was like <laughs> not even not even just the music but like 
She was nominated for Academy Award. She's in like movies and everything. Like, yeah, of course. Well, who do you think bought me that good single? I was <laughs> yes. a child. So I'll tell you, my mother definitely, I did not have my own money when that song came out. And uh, my mom definitely bought that for me. One of my favorite jokes on the comeback is uh, Lisa Kudrow is like trying to seem relevant and cool. And they are like playing some Steely Dan or something or Cheap Trick in the car. And then she's like, no, no, we have some cool music. We have some like relevant music. We've got um, Mary J. Bilge. Oh, my um, God. Which is just like so, I mean, just out, outrageous. Um, but she is a well-known and uh, she, she's ubiquitous. She's everywhere. She she's, is. She is. Yeah. My mom definitely knows her. And, uh, you know, my mom wasn't with me on the What's the 411 album, but she loves Share My World. She loves Mary, the, the, the self-titled album. And so, mm-hmm. so yes, cultural ubiquity, she's got that in spades. Yeah, mm-hmm. she has. she's permeated the culture no doubt. All right, it's time for the verdict. Should Mary J. Blige be in the Rock Hall? Will she get inducted? And if so, when do you think that will be? And will it be this year? Uh, Kristen, we'll start with you. I'm ready. She should. She will. I am not sure that she's going to get in this year. I actually don't. I think because the ballot is so stacked this year, and I think because of just kind of it being her first nomination. I I was surprised to see her on the ballot uh, this year, just considering the order of people, the fact that Shaka is not in yet. I'm like, oh man, we gotta get Shaka in there. We gotta get Mary in there. I want them both in, but I think that she will be in in the next three years. I, I think if she's not, I think they will keep putting her on and I think three to five years she's going to be in there's no doubt about it. Okay. Especially if they keep doing ballots like this, yeah. where uh-huh. they we don't have to fucking choose just one black woman. Like it, it is, it, it's just heartening. So if things go the way that they seem to be going, I think she's in within three to five years without a doubt. All right, Morgan, what do you think? Should she, will she? And if so, will it be this year? I'm speaking from a place of bias explicit and implicit bias. <laughs> um, but I think that she definitely should for all the reasons that we mentioned and more. Will she? I don't know because I don't know how these things work. I'm still stuck at the irony of people being like, well, it's rock. Um, as if rock didn't come from black folks. Yeah. So I'm right. still back at that irony anyway. <laughs> uh, but I do think that I- I'm just so excited to see all the black women in this category and all the women in this category, I don't know how it's going to go, man, because I really don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how the decisions sway. I'm just hopeful. Yeah. I'm just yeah. really hopeful. Um, but, but if one or two of these women get in, I'd be, I, I would be thrilled. And I just want to say too, like I'm also a Carol King fan. Like I love t- tapestries, oh, yeah. you know, saw heavy rotation. So I wouldn't be mm-hmm. mad at that either. Um, private dancer, you know, uh, Tina Turner, Dionne Warwick. So I wouldn't be mad. I'm just hopeful because I'm just such a giant fan. I'm just really hopeful for Mary. Yeah, for sure. I would say, obviously, she should. I think this episode is a good, if you're in doubt, This I hope this episode turned you uh, because I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, She's an exceptional artist with a long career of great work, songs, albums, whatever you want. She does great in all the, all my weird little categories. (laughs) So if if that's what you're looking for, then that'll uh, satisfy you. Uh, and I think she will. And uh, I don't think it will be this year just because there are so many legends on the ballot. Yeah. 
like Carol yeah. King, like Tina Turner, Carole like Dan King Warwick. and Tina. It's like those are two that are gonna just it, the, the the slots that will be remaining after I think kind of the obvious long long term snubs. Like again, this is only Mary J's fourth year of eligibility, so I I think it's gonna be tough for people to jockey for those last two slots. And I think given that, uh, you know, who is in the rock hall and who votes for it, there is going to be some representation of the more traditional rock bands like a Foo Fighters. Like there's sure. someone is going to probably take those last few slots. And I think Jay-Z also is probably going to be an obvious pick for a lot of people. So it's a very competitive year. And that's, I think the only reason why Mary J will probably not make it this year. But I do think within five years, give or take, uh, Kristen, what you said, I think is about right. Once you, you know, once we finally get Tina Turner in solo, which is an insane thing Good to say in 2021, God. It, we will then return back to the kind of uh, trajectory we were on when Whitney, when it was Janet and then Whitney and then the mm-hmm. obvious places to go from there, we will mm-hmm. have to recognize Mary J. But let's let's have some fun and let's pretend that Mary J is being inducted this year. Uh, Morgan, who do you think should give the speech to induct Mary J. Blige? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, and sometimes they try to go with someone new, but often they go with contemporaries of the artist. And sometimes they even go before them. Like you could, it would be kind of a slap in the face if Shaka Khan wasn't uh, already Shaka inducted her. If she wasn't <laughs> already not in. in yet. But that, you know, the connection there is obvious. And I know her relationship with Sean Combs has been spotty throughout the years where they've been not thrilled with each other, but then they've made up, but then it went bad again but that also given that he was there in the beginning that's someone who it feels it would feel appropriate and meaningful my vote would be for diddy also um every relationship has its its ups and downs they've had a you know it's been a a well-documented relationship but i think he's so central to her career and anybody else that i would vote for is no longer here i would love for it to be andre harrell but sadly he's gone Mm -hmm. i would love for one queen to crown another but aretha franklin is gone you know what i'm saying yeah so Mm -hmm. i think he's 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 obviously her best one of her best friends in the business is little kim uh so that would be cool if little kim uh, passed the torch you know I think that would be so either either uh, Sean Combs or Little Kim would be my vote. Yeah, I think we should get the mall kiosk operator. We should find <laughs> the original producer. Find that individual. Find that, find that individual. Put him at the podium. Let's go. And if now, it didn't have to be a mu- music person, I'd love to see Kamala um, uh, be oh, part wow. of the production. Oh, that would be and, they could. You know, they don't always do musicians. Yeah, it can really be oh, anyone. I'd, I'd love for that. Really what it has to be is it has to be someone that HBO would be satisfied with, you know, at the at the end of the I day. I think they'd sure. be pretty sure. hyped if Kamala Harris showed up. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Now, that would be cool. And if Mary J would obviously perform, they usually perform three or four songs. I mean, I know I, I made my picks of what I think are her iconic songs. Those are the ones that I think would need to be played. Real Love, Family Fair, Be Without You. But Morgan, if you were kind of curating her set, what would be ideal for you that is both representative of her career arc and would also be a good show? What's the 411 or Real Love? Mm-hmm. Share My World or Happy? Not Gonna Cry or Sweet Thing? Uh-huh. Family Affair? Mm-hmm. And because of the film Mudbound, I'd have her do a Mighty River. Let it wash it clean. Going upstream. Cause it never 
never gives up. Oh. I want people to see the arc of her career and all that she's capable of. Yeah. So those would be my picks. Those are good choices. Wait till she gets in. It's gonna be really good because she can really perform. She's not gonna be like it's gonna it's gonna be great. Mm. Now here here's a question. Uh, if and when Mary J. Blige gets in, would you go to the induction ceremony? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They, I would definitely, if I could go, 100% I would be there. Probably crying and emotional. Um, but to, to hide all that emotion, I'd put on some gigantic di- designer glasses as a, both a tribute mm-hmm. uh, to Mary J. Blige and as a defense mechanism. <laughs> I'd have those on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would love to be there. I'd love to celebrate my sister and all that she's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for the 30 years that she's been, been here and she's still here doing it. So yeah. I would be flattered and honored to be able to celebrate her in that way hell yeah well you know we i've locked Kristen into going to every induction ceremony for the rest of our lives so if when when she gets inducted we will see you there yes indeed uh well uh morgan thank you so much for joining us i want to give you the chance to you know plug the podcast anything else you're excited about that's uh, coming out or is already available for people uh have at it I'm working on the fourth and final season of Dear White People, which will come out. I'm really excited about that. I'm working on a forthcoming season for stars called Run the World, which is about four black women um, living and, and working in Harlem. On Clubhouse, I, ha- I co-host a club called Flower Bomb, where we uh, pay tribute to, to artists. Um, we pick one artist to give love to. It comes from the slang, give people their flowers. And, mm-hmm. and so we do that um, every week. And uh, next week we are doing Anita Baker. So we just did Earth, Wind & Fire. And uh, we were surprised because Philip Bailey and Verdine White came into the room and were with us uh, for several hours. Wow. That's, um, that's incredible. It was. I mean, it was just like. You know, yo, um, Philip Bailey dropped some factoids on us about Serpentine Fire. Um, I won't repeat those here because I know my mother's probably tuned into this. She wants me to stay spiritual. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited about those things. And just I'm excited about, um, although we've been sort of limited because of the pandemic and stuff, I'm so excited about the music that has come come out of this. And as always, mm-hmm. um, on Thursdays, Heat Rocks, um, a show with Oliver Wong, uh, airs on the Maximum Fun Network. And you can get that on, uh, on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Excellent. Well, of course, you can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram. RockHallPod at gmail.com is the email address. Shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. If you want Kristen to see that message, though, you need to say her name somewhere in the message. Otherwise, I'm not going to forward it to her. Uh, Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us on there, too. Five stars only. We've gotten some really nice reviews recently, and we really appreciate that. So I get forwarded those. If they're really nice, Joe will send them to me. Um, So thank you so much. I really have loved reading some of the most recent ones and thank you yeah not only does it help us you know algorithm wise wise and with the computer and with making us more visible but it's also it makes us feel really nice and to read them and i get to share with Kristen, and it's uh it makes us feel uh seen and appreciated and it's a nice little uh treat for us to to see that uh and to hear from you whether it's an email or a review is always just so nice. Uh, we do. We love you guys out there. Uh, and thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Yusu Kim for the music. AKG for giving us that microphone. Sounding crisp, Kristen. Crispy. Uh, and thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Pozzala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares? About the rock call.
If you're looking to move out of your parents' place, you could really cut expenses by bundling your car and renter's insurance with Progressive, which is good because your little brother has gotten really territorial. You're blood-related. You'd think it would be fine to share food in the fridge. I mean, who writes their name on every individually wrapped slice of cheese, Tyler? Still, you've got to admire the commitment. So bundle your renter's and car insurance with Progressive and use the savings to help you move out and have all the cheese you want. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 